Well, welcome to the Wisdom and Grace podcast with Giles D. Stevens. I'm your host, Giles Stevens, and this is the place where people come to to learn how to grow in wisdom and experience the grace of God so as to be more fruitful in life and ministry. And I want to welcome you today to the podcast. And today I'm going to be sharing about seven things to keep a positive atmosphere in your home. Okay. And obviously I'm sharing this because we are living in times of quarantine, of lockdown, of being able to uh, travel less and socialize less. And effectively that means that uh, we are all spending much more time at home. And depending on where you're listening and depending on what time, what month this is, also it may be that the children aren't going to school maybe that the mother and father are working from home. And so obviously that has put a lot more pressure on domestic relationships. And, um, you know, when there's pressure, it means that things come out that don't normally, it's like a pressure cooker, sort of forces things that are on the inside to come out onto the surface. And that can be the good, the bad and the ugly. And so all of us are in this stage uh, and going through this issue. But uh, I want to share seven things with you to help you have a positive atmosphere in your home. And I feel this is important. It's not that we're a perfect family. We're learning these things, what I'm sharing. But certainly talking to other families and other friends, I've noticed that um, some families are really struggling right now. And so... There is wisdom in the word of God that will really help us to maybe just make a few changes, and prioritize a few things, and that's going to make the world of difference to take out that sort of negative, heavy environment and bring in a positive atmosphere into your home. So let me start with a couple of sort of classic ones and obvious ones, and that is obviously uh, read the scriptures together daily. And it's something that we've done here in the Stevens family for many years now. I think it was my wife's idea originally that uh, there, she said, look, there are 31 chapters of Proverbs, there are 31 days normally in each month. Let's read a chapter of Proverbs a day. In fact, we do slightly differently than that. We do a chapter of Proverbs a day. Often we do a Psalm a day as well, 150 Psalms. So that becomes five months if you're doing one every day and to be honest uh, you know we read other things together too but i think you know perhaps if you haven't got this established as a family then it's something great to do over breakfast is you all pull your bibles out and um you go through those proverbs a day and obviously it, it it's reading the chapter out and what I tend to do, and this is a top tip for you, is that I then break open one or two of the Proverbs that we just read. I break it open and explain them. There's always life in them and direction and inspiration in them. And it could be, you know, just one or two, depending on the timing you've got. We normally spend about half an hour in a sort of family meeting over breakfast each morning. And I, I've got four children. And... Um, so we tend to get them all to speak out some of those proverbs or read out some of the verses so everybody gets to talk everybody gets to say things then it's a bit of a family discussion which then we come on to point two that always 
ends with prayer. I think, you know, we read the Proverbs, we break them open, get a little bit of wisdom. We talk about the plans for the day, and that's good too. Children especially need to know what's happening for the day. And when they don't have a normal structure, such as school, even going out to do clubs or sports, then it's good to spell out the plans for the day. And then when it's time to do them, there's not a sort of an argument as to what's to be done whether people want to do it because it's already been discussed and decided upon okay so um as i said read the scriptures and then finish by praying together and i think this is really important as well and you can split that up between the children as well between you and your spouse um you know ask them to pray over something that's come to their mind during the session that morning or something they're going to be doing that day or thanking god for something that's just happened and try and share that around as well and of course speaking out this is the second thing really is you need to speak out the word. I've often taught on this. It's one thing to think the word, another thing to hear the word, but really the, the power for your own life, things change when you yourself speak them out. So we have to speak out the words uh, of faith, remembering that God first, first spoke the word, not to communicate, but actually to create. So positive words create a positive environment. So, and, and children in particular, they need to learn how to speak positively. The natural tendency is for them to criticize, to speak down about their siblings, complain about stuff. And so in a sense, you need to train their tongues to speak out words of faith and positive words. So speaking out the Proverbs and then speaking out prayers, talking to the Lord, absolutely vital. And let's remember, you know, I'm not doing a big teaching now on prayer, but literally the Lord Lord's ears are open to the cry of the righteous. So when you pray about things, this is absolutely vital. Please pray about what you're doing, everything and anything. Involve the Lord in everything. Okay. You know, when when you roll your cares onto him, he takes them up. All right. Um, when you when you invite him in, when you commit your ways unto the Lord, then he gives you good success. So whether it's just a shopping trip or getting the the, the homeschool done or the, you know, the online school, whatever it is, pray about it and you'll find God is involved in doing that in your own strength. All right. Now, the third thing is to, my recommendation is to read good books. Read good books. And by good books, I mean living books or classics, books that carry great moral themes and biblical themes and heroic themes, books that have stories of redemption, of turnaround, of you know, new birth, of the principal character. These are the classics that really influence children and prepare them for the future. I was even talking to Daniel, my second son, yesterday, who's turning 15 and, and he's already a nice looking guy and already some of the girls are interested in him at church and things. And so I said, Danny, have you read any Jane Austen yet? And uh, so his elder brother's read a lot of classics, but, you know, he's kind of coming into that stage. And he said, no. So we spoke about it and we said, look, the two best known Jane Austen classics are Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility. But why did I ask him to read one of those? It's because Jane Austen is classic at dealing with relationships and, not, and, and helping young people not just be led by... Um, you know the charm or the looks of a person but to look deeper 
for character because in the end you know looks change and charm disappears once the person's got what they want and you have to spend the rest of your life with that person and so if they haven't got character then that's going to really cause lots of problems and of course if they can't they aren't even able to have a civilized and and deeper conversation then then your you know your communication is going to dry up it's just going to be really sort of shallow and superficial all the time so it's really important i said to danny read one of those because of course that's going to help him think through about who he's going to have a relationship with in the future he's going to marry in the future and it's good for them to be prepared before they come into that age and stage okay so reading good books is absolutely vital and and we kind of do it in this way that you know obviously there's always the attraction of the television and the tablets we'll talk about that but uh, it's always good to say look you need to have read three chapters or whatever you decide before you go on to these other things uh, you know i was talking from the proverbs recently to the children and there's one that says that uh, as snow in the summer and rain in harvest so is honor not fitting for a fool and i said look it's all about snow is good but when it comes at the wrong time it's bad same with rain if it comes at harvest time it can ruin the crop and so it's all about timing it's all about doing things at the right time at the appropriate time so i've said to them look when you get up in the morning when your mind's fresh and your body's fresh you don't want to waste that fresh mind on staring at a tablet or playing a game or watching a movie that's inappropriate okay there's times for games and there's times for movies but it's not now that's kind of like when you're tired when you've done the day's work and you want to refresh yourself and relax and so forth then that's the time to use a tablet or watch a movie so it's all about that so we always say you know you've got to prioritize these things and, and i think that's really important to say as well is that every family needs to have an action plan so these seven things you know hopefully will give you some sort of framework or some ideas to make a framework so you've got an action plan as a family to make a positive atmosphere in your home because you have to remember that pressure is on things are against you in in many ways right now so you've got to sort of make this plan and agree it off as i say at breakfast time with the children so i mean we for example have a have a a, a house rule or timetable that the children do their homeschool in the morning and then they do their activities in the afternoons and so they don't do tablets and tv we don't do that unless it's linked with schoolwork um until 4 p.m till tea time so but after that they're free to do pretty much what they want to do so that's you know a way we we've personally structured ourselves so read good books books are best god communicated through a book that's the best form of communication perhaps i'll do a talk on that in its own right and um just on that top topic as well you know we we also have a rule that we don't have tablets or, or cell phones at tables because that's a time where i believe that the the, the table is the place where that the god has sort of made as a covenant place it's a place of eating meals together and therefore looking into one another's eyes and conversing and of course if tablets and cell phones are around they're, they're huge distractions so um you know you've got to you've got to limit these tablets and but you can't just limit tablets if you don't produce or you don't have something else for them to do you follow it's one thing to say don't do that or turn off this but it's another thing to actually have a strategy and have other options for them 
um, you know, to do. So, um, and, uh, uh, and that's really vital. Okay. Um, now just on the subject as well of reading rather than being on a tablet, um, then the one thing that I've learned as well is, is if you are listening to news or watching news, so I'm talking about the main news channels, the media and so forth. If you are listening to it, you'll find that the spirit of that news broadcast, which is often negative and depressing and full of you know, bad things that are going on, that emotion and spirit will get transferred onto you. So my recommendation to you, especially parents, is don't watch the news, read the news. It keeps things more objective, okay? It doesn't hang on you so heavy. You can find out exactly what's going on, but you seem to be have come away in a clearer head. I've noticed that when people have been watching the news and listening to the news, they you know the they kind of come out really negative themselves. They carry a negative spirit, which then they pass on to the children or to their spouse. They you know before they watched the news, they were in a good humor, but after they're kind of upset with the world, and and so of course the people closest to them tend to suffer. So read news. Don't listen to it, okay? Uh, it can make you very negative if you do, and we're trying to create a positive atmosphere in our homes, okay? Number four is to get around other faith-filled families. Now, there's a classic uh, scripture that, again, I taught on from Hebrews 10.25. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So the, the Apostle Paul here is giving a clear directive, he's in the, especially in the end times where things are going to get tougher. He said, encourage one or exhort one another to keep meeting together. Now you say, well, it's impossible. We can't, uh, we can't have fellowship. We can't socialize and so forth. Well, do what you can within the limits that you have. Okay, obviously we need to respect um, you know, social distancing and other limits that governments are, are putting on us in order to limit the spread of the virus. And, you know, that's another conversation in its own right. So I'm not going to deal with that right now. But within the limits that you have, you need to make sure you get around other faith-filled people. Okay, why? Because faith is contagious, but fear is contagious too. So don't get around people full of fear, full of bad news. You know, you'll find that if you're full of fear, and again, there's lots of things that could make you full of fear, you'll find that that fear is broken off of you when you get around people full of faith who remind you of God's promises, that he's real and living, that you can be hidden under the wings of the Lord, that God differentiates between those who have covenant and those who don't, that by faith we can remove mountains, etc. You start hearing the word of God and, and so your faith gets boosted as well. So you say, well, I'm not allowed to, I can't visit this quarantine. Well, thank God for Zoom. Thank God for podcasts like this one. You know, I've, we've done Zooms here. We live in Brazil, but we've done Zooms with friends and, and family Zooms with friends in Canada, in the States, in the UK and other places. We had a, a kind of family Zoom time as well, where a number of families were all on the same Zoom call together. Stuff like that. I mean, there's all, if there's a will, there's a way. Okay. But obviously, if you can still meet, keep going to your cell groups, your small groups. Okay. Do what you can to get around other faithful families. All right. Number five is take exercise. 
And again, I've talked on this, but the scripture is very clear in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, that bodily exercise profits a little. And sometimes people, they misappropriate that scripture and saying, look, it's not relevant at all. But actually, what, what Paul is teaching Timothy is that in comparison to spiritual exercise, spiritual disciplines such as reading the word and praying and ministering the word, of course, bodily exercise is much inferior because you could have, you could be fit and healthy, but if you're a long way from God, then, you know, that's not really going to help much. You could be fit and healthy, but your, you know, your, your, your family life could be in a mess. Your certain, your eternity is going to be compromised. And so, um, you know, spiritual exercise is the most important thing. That's why I started with it. But that doesn't mean to say that it isn't important to take exercise, bodily exercise profits a little. Okay. Now, personally, I love to run um, and I run almost every day. Uh, and, you know, you've got to find the thing that really gets you going. The thing, the, the thing about running, the good thing about running is that you don't need anybody else to do it. You just need a decent pair of trainers. Okay. And, um, and you can go off. And the other thing these days about running, the joy is you can stick your headphones in or your, your earphones and you can listen to music to give you a good rhythm. You worship that will pick you up. You can listen to sermons. You can listen to this podcast and other podcasts. There's so much stuff you can do. I've even listened to audio books. Okay. And there you are. Or, and, and let me say as well, you can listen to worship and pray whilst you're running. It's just great. So you get an hour running and an hour of prayer in together. Okay. So you say, well, I don't like to run. I'm not sure if I'm up to running. Well, take a walk, you know, get out in outside in the fresh air, get out in nature. I've often said, um, you know, the creation will always point you to the creation creator. So sometimes coming outside of the four walls and just getting around trees and blue sky and some of uh, some of nature's animals that will refresh your soul. Okay. It will refresh you, it will keep you positive and Again, there's so much we could say here about taking bodily exercise. If you've got a dog, that's a great thing to have right now. Take the dog for a walk. Get the children to take the dog for a walk. Get them out. Again, in Brazil, because of the heat here, we tend to do things a little bit later in the day. But pretty much come five or six o'clock, um, all of us here, we, you know, I, I sort of, you know, announce it and say, come on guys, everybody out. And so everybody goes off and does whatever they do, whether it's a run, whether it's a dog walk, whether it's skating, you know, rollerblading or roller skating, or the boys go and kick a ball down on the local pitch that we have close by. Again, within the limits that you have, but that's absolutely vital um, to get the fresh air through. And especially if you've got teenagers, let me just say this, teenagers need to have a sweat through at least once a day. If they don't, then they're going to find release in some other area and not necessarily healthy. So make that part of the family routine. That will keep the atmosphere very positive at home. Okay. Number six is to determine to keep the bond of peace. Now, I know this doesn't sound very practical, um, but what I really wanted to say with this is that it, you've got to sort of make a mental decision each day that... Um, you are you want to start the day in peace and end the day in peace. It's kind of like your daily prayer is, Lord, let me get through each day in peace. Okay, 
let me not lose this peace. And that's why Paul in Ephesians 3 and 4 says, for us to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Okay, so there's a bond of peace, that, but we need to endeavor to keep it. We need to make that effort, be determined. And so you'll find, you know, you get up in the morning, I get up pretty early and, you know, obviously I'm at peace normally when I get up in the morning. But when the pressures of the day comes and, you know, there's a lot to do and the household gets busy, then there's lots of things that could kind of destroy that bond of peace. So you, whatever that is, you need to identify it as the enemy, so to speak, something coming to steal your peace. And as I've taught before, when you're in a place of rest, resting in God, then you'll find he works for you. But as soon as you lose your peace and get into anxiety or get angry, then then literally Satan is at the door. So you've got to be very careful. It is a spiritual issue, this. Um, so you need to determine to keep that bond of peace. And you might need to respond or react in different ways uh, uh, in order to keep the peace. And I'll just be honest with you here. You know, sometimes it's just coming up, you know, you, you see the, the children squabbling or something between you and your spouse comes up and you kind of feel yourself getting irritated. Sometimes just that cool, calm, encouraging word just resolves it, literally puts out the fire, okay? And there's many a proverb that talks about that kind of thing, all right? So you're the one, you determine that I'm going to be the guy who, who speaks in the soft voice, okay? And, um, you know, I don't add to the fire, so to speak, and stoke the fire by reacting. I just, I'm the guy... I've decided I'm that guy. I'm a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. All right. Um, but even, even you may need to take other types of action. And one thing that I've learned, and even though you might accuse me of being sort of defeatist in doing this, but I've learned also just to walk away. I've learned just to be quiet. Even though I may disagree with something being said or something being done, I realize that actually... Um, it's not something to confront at the time. I'm just going to let it go. Okay. Maybe if it is an issue that needs to be addressed, um, what I'll do is I'll make a mental note of it. And in a calmer moment, talk it through with Sylvie or talk it through with the kids. Um, but not to sort of get into the spirit of the frustration or irritation or contention that's happening. Okay. So sometimes literally I walk out or I walk away. Uh, in order not to allow that thing to grow. Be why? Because I've got a bigger, a bigger plan or a bigger, a larger perspective. I want my household to be a household of peace. And of course, when there's a household of peace, then everybody sort of flourishes and prospers together. Okay, see, so, and this also touches on the, what, I, what I often do with the children is I try and teach them in our morning sessions. I say, look, one of the reasons the Proverbs are written is to teach us all to be socialized. And I say to them, well, what does that really mean? And it kind of means that you get on in society. Um, you're not frictious, you're not contentious. You can be around other people and you don't rub off negatively on them. You're pleasant company, you're affable. I mean, obviously we want to go beyond that as believers, we want to be salt and light. So we actually want people to, in a sense, because of our presence, feel more encouraged and inspired and loved. And, you know, I've often said that, you know, when you've been around a man of God, because you come away better. And so obviously we want to get to that level, but, but even the first level is good, just not 
causing contention. That's great. Okay. So, and that all talks about, you know, being socialized, being able to get on with people without squabbling about stuff the whole time, you know, whether, you know, who's got the tomato sauce or whose turn it is to, to, to wash up. And so all of that, you know, helps, uh, we have to teach the children and sometimes ourselves to be socialized, to be able to sort of rather than have rough edges, to be smooth, to be able to sort of, you know, rub off on each other without leaving a negative imprint upon them, okay? And so if everybody gets the idea that our job is to do that, to be socialized so that we can have peace in our home, then actually you'll find that because of the peace, it will produce joy, because joy always comes from peace, okay? And uh, when there's a joyful, encouraging environment, then people tend to do a lot more and have a, you know, obviously have a better day. So that's absolutely vital for having a positive atmosphere. And then finally, uh, number seven, don't make too many rules in the house, okay? But discipline the children if they break those rules. So again, the biblical example, and it's interesting here, is that in the Garden of Eden, which was really the first let's say, household that God set up for Adam and Eve and their children. Um, he really only had one rule. He said, don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he didn't put any other rules in place. In some houses, I feel like there's so many rules that you're always in danger of breaking one. And if you break it, then there's going to be a penalty or a punishment. And it's kind of like difficult to relax. So I've decided I can't be as good as God with just one rule. But we, but I've decided that I need a household that aren't too many rules, okay? And actually, in the end, our, what we've done in our household is have two main rules. And that is, you can't do anything dangerous and you can't do anything disrespectful. Those two things are kind of like three, that, you know, it's like strike out. You're, 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 you're in the, uh, the sin bin if you do one of those things. And that's without uh, needing things to be explained through. Disrespect and dangerous things are to be disciplined. And as I've shown the children, look, we, you know, we try and be as gracious as possible. We obviously teach them rather than punish them and, 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 and so forth. But as I've told them, you know, disrespect is the big one. And why is it the big one? Because normally, uh, and the main way to be, to learn and to grow, is through listening, through being corrected by the word. So, you know, we that's why we teach the book of Proverbs. That's why, and beyond that, we teach heavenly wisdom by understanding the grace of God. Um, but once a child is not listening to your words anymore, then you have to use a different form of education of, of, of for them to grow. So there's no point in repeating oneself. There's no point in nagging. And again, a nagging household is not a positive household. So we don't do nagging here. I say to the children, if I've had to repeat myself, that's because now you're disrespecting me or your mother. You're not listening to our words anymore. So we will have to go to stage two in correction and discipline. Okay. And of course, the rod of correction saves the child's soul. Okay. And uh, so it's the other way that they learn and they learn quickly. But obviously it's very, very rare, very, very, very rare in our household because we managed to sort of put that in place. But I want to kind of encourage you parents there, don't be afraid of that as well. I've sadly been around too many families where the children get away with murder. They talk back to their parents. 
and you know and they don't even look in their eye when a parent speaks to them and stuff like this and that's real disrespect and it's important to get right because of course the parent is the 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 authority figure in the child's life is the representative of god in the child's life and so if the child doesn't learn to respect the parent then he won't respect a teacher won't respect a policeman won't respect a judge won't respect laws and you know in the big wide world and so if they don't get it right in the home you're setting them up for disaster in the future so respect is the big one the big one Obviously, you know, we put in danger there as well because doing dangerous things, you know, just we just can't tolerate that. I'm not talking about doing stuff, obviously, that they do without understanding. You know, they might, you know, toddler might pick up a knife, you know, but and obviously needs to be corrected. But but um, that's not a discipline thing. That's an ignorance thing. Okay, so but doing dangerous things out of will. And that, that's something that that's a line that should never be crossed. OK, so anyhow, those are seven things to keep a positive atmosphere in your home. And let me just finish with a prayer, because, as I said, prayer is the real thing. It changes atmosphere. So if you're struggling right now, you are kind of been tearing your hair out. You, everybody's walking around home in a kind of bad mood. You sleep in the same bed as your spouse, but it seems like there's an invisible wall between you and uh, not to be crossed. We've all been there. But I can tell you that wall can come down and those moods can change because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the blessing of God upon your lives. OK, so just where you are, close your eyes and I'm going to pray for you. Father, thank you for your word, which gives us light and gives us wisdom. And as we walk in your word, we thank you that our lives change. As we speak out, declare your word, we thank you that atmospheres change. Hallelujah. Moods change. So, Father, I pray right now for my friends, whoever's listening to this podcast right now, whatever situation they're in, and they may be literally more than tearing out their hand. They may be at the door of divorce, so to speak, Lord, just wondering how on earth to turn this whole relationship around, family scene around. But Lord, I thank you that there is always hope with you. There's always grace. And Lord, if you are with us and if your grace is with us, then no matter what situation we're in, there is there is the possibility of change. With God, all things are possible. So I pray that you would flood their homes right now with your presence. I pray, Father, that you would do what we can't do in our own strength. Fill the houses with peace and joy. And I thank you, Father, that because of this, all of us, Lord, are going to experience a better season, a happier season, a more positive atmosphere in our homes because of your goodness your grace in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Say an amen because when you say amen you make it yours just as I was saying confess the word. So thank you so much for listening today to our podcast and let's go and share this with the world one revelation and one person at a time. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd like to finish giving an opportunity for people to give their lives to Christ. And if you've never done that before, say these words after me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I receive you as my savior and I thank you for a new heart and a new start. Amen. And we believe if you prayed that prayer that you've now been born again. And we encourage you to join a Christ-centered church in an area near you. 
We also like to let you know about different products that you can get in order to help you grow in wisdom and grace. So check out our website, thegreatmission.org, where you can order paper copies or Kindle versions of inspiring materials, such as There's a Miracle Coming Your Way, or Seven Good Things That Maybe You Don't Know, or Winning Your World. And finally, we would also ask you to consider becoming a partner of TGM, The Great Mission. Through a network of missionary evangelists, we are holding events in Asia, Africa, and South America to get the gospel of grace in word and action to hundreds of families every month. And we hold grace festivals where multitudes of needy people have received food parcels and been transformed by the message of God's goodness and grace. And by becoming a monthly partner for as little as a dollar or a pound a day, you can be part of a worldwide harvest of souls. Thanks for your consideration. Sylvia and I will be praying for you that you experience God's best in these coming days. And if you enjoyed today's teaching, please share it with a friend. And we'll look forward to being with you at the next broadcast. God bless you.